Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Hey, it's Ollie. I thought I would tell you about some of the coolest language learning experiences that I've ever had. Some of the moments over the last uh, 20 years or so that um, that I think back on and think, you know what, that was cool. That's kind of made all of this worthwhile. This is why I'm doing it. And I don't think any of these experiences are going to be uh, particularly impressive, but they are things that have meant something to me at the time. And so if you are thinking about spending some time learning languages, this might be um, interesting for you to kind of pause and reflect uh, on what actually makes learning languages worthwhile and meaningful for you. Now, one of the first things I think about right at the beginning of my language learning experience was uh, uh, when I was uh, in Paris and I, I, long story, I kind of slept off to Paris for, for six months to get away from uh, some nastiness back home. And one of the things I did um, during those six months was get a job in a busy French cafe. My friend Kirsten from the, from the Fluent Show asked me the other day, Ollie, what's something that people don't know about you? And I said, well, I used to work as a waiter in a, Paris, in a Parisian cafe. I've never really talked about that before, but I did. And it was really funny. So one of the images that I've got from that time was uh, among the many, many images. But one of the funniest things that I think back to was when um, uh, people would come at lunchtime for to eat in this in this cafe, it was a typical French cafe where we'd serve everything from coffee, coffee to salads to omelets and stuff like that, and we get totally rammed at lunchtime. And I just remember having you know 40, 40 people, forty busy French, mostly French businessmen, um, coming into this cafe for lunch and sitting down, and they had to eat fast, they didn't have all that much time, um, and it was just basically me working there, and I was kind of having to go around. And I was just basically this this sort of steward of this cafe restaurant thing going around talking to people they would be shouting at me like where's my food or can I have this or do you do that and I was just going around I felt like I was a machine you know just going around talking to all these people taking orders and coordinating with the kitchen uh, that seems like a totally different world and then a different lifetime but when I think back to doing all those things in French I feel pretty I feel I feel quite proud one of the second experiences now I'm like winding the clock forward uh, like 10 years or so after that France experience uh, was when I was living in Japan and I had a little bossa nova group with uh, my friends Emily and Simon and we used to kind of go around doing gigs uh, in various Tokyo live houses as they're called I think that's what they're called and um and and I remember doing this one gig in um in a place which whose name I forget a really cool little 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 bar and we were, we were up on the stage I was playing guitar and singing and uh, there's videos on YouTube by the way and I remember actually giving, introducing the whole, the whole, um, the whole gig, and explaining about the songs, and introducing my uh, the other people in the band, and doing all of this in Japanese. And I, I kind of had to prepare for that because it was quite a lot of stuff to get right, and you don't want to be fumbling around um, with your words like in the middle of a live gig with fifty people watching. But uh, I did that uh, time and time again, and I remember, I remember clearly being on the stage there, and uh, and introducing all this stuff, and feeling very feeling like I was I was owning it. Now the third thing I remember was kind of a weird one, um, but it was when I was living in uh, Egypt, I was in Cairo, and I was working at the British Council as a, an academic manager. And one of the things I was doing there was I was in charge of the the Young Learner Program for the, for the whole country of Egypt. And there was one day where we had a kind of a, like a parents open session. I think it was at the start of term or something. And we were in this big hall inside the British Council building. And I was uh, standing there with, um, with, an, with a, an, a local uh, assistant and the way that what we were going to do basically is exp 
explain to the parents what was going to happen in the classes that term and um, answer questions that they had. And the way that it generally worked was that I would kind of give a little talk and then my the assistant would kind of translate what I said to the uh, in English, right? Um, because the, you know, the the parents these these Egyptian parents wanted to have the the English guy that looks like me to make them feel like they're getting the real experience, you know. Um, they felt they thought that's what they were paying for, and so what I would do is I would say some I would explain something, and then the assistant would then explain it in Arabic uh, directly directly afterwards. And I, I remember because I was sitting there and getting a bit frustrated because it was just taking forever, and uh, I'd been learning Arabic at that point, so I would kind of say something, and then I'd have to listen to what I just said. Um, repeated back to me and and it would, there were often like mistakes in there or they would the assistant would say something that wasn't quite right and um and towards the end of this session anyway then the parents started asking questions and you know what i mean if, if you know egypt it's it's all like a total free-for-all like everyone's shouting questions and things like that and there was a point where like so the parents would ask a question in arabic obviously directed at the assistant and the assistant would translate to me but the thing is i understood everything that was happening so i understood the question i understood the translation and they got to a point where i just basically kind of said i just bypassed the assistant and started talking directly to the parents and they were asking me like well you know what's what are you doing for this for this class at that and what's the what's going on here in the syllabus or whatever it was and so i would just start to dive in and just start to answer these questions to the parents directly in arabic because we were wasting so much time with the translation back and forth and it just got kind of like the complete chaos because like half of the room started just like uh saying to each other oh i didn't know he spoke arabic and then and then when i said when i when i when they realized i did then all these other parents started like piling in and asking all these questions and i was sort of sitting there fielding this room of 50 or 60 parents egyptian parents all in arabic and i remember thinking after that was pretty cool number four i remember this back in the day when i spent some time in brazil i've probably spent over a year in brazil in total for many many trips and i remember one year i was in this place called itacare which is just south of Bahia on the on the east coast, kind of north of Rio, south of um, Salvador, and it's a small surfing village. Now I I can't surf. I don't know the first thing about surfing, but I was there because it was a cool place. It was a big kind of hippie hangout and stuff. And I spent like two weeks there. I think I was traveling with a friend who then who left and went home, uh, not because of me, just they had to go home. And uh, and I kind of stayed there by myself. And uh, I was just you know I was on holiday, right? So I would spend a lot of time wandering around the town and as you do in Bahia in Brazil you just sit around like just drinking beer talking to people getting to know people and on my last day there in Itacare I remember walking through the town from the beach down through the town to get some lunch or something like that and I just remember on every street corner there was someone sort of shouting hi to me like guy up in a window shouting yeah yeah to the bay um and then or someone in the in in the shop that I'd bypassed or someone I'd met uh, earlier on that week and I was just what this feeling of walking through this Brazilian this cool Brazilian like surfing village just having people sort of saying hi to me on every street corner and I would just have these little chit chats with them in Portuguese and I thought man this is like this is quite something the fifth thing I remember is doing a press conference in Spain so this was when I was uh, still like heavily involved in music and I was playing in a Brazilian samba band um uh, Samba de Batucada, for anyone who knows, like these big kind of carnival groups. Anyway, we went to play in a music festival in uh, Tenerife in the Canary Islands. And I got there, and on the first day, uh, my friend who was organizing it, uh, it was, this was on the morning that it was about to start, and we were in this, um, in this kind of, in the town hall or something. And he turned around and said to me, right, the press conference starts now. And I was like, what? Said, yeah, press conference. You've got to give a press conference. And uh, and, and so I said, well, I, in English, right? 
He said, no, no, you've got to do it in Spanish. What do I I talk about? Oh, just, I don't know, just explain what you guys are doing, what you're playing, whatever. So, like, five minutes later, I walk into this room, and there was a row of, like, 30 journalists and these seats up on stage. And he kind of took me up, and I found myself sitting on this stage with, like, three other Brazilian groups, a couple of really famous people as well who were there as, um, as part of the festival. And um, and I was like, what? Hang on, what's going on? My Spanish was was pretty good at the time, but I'd never done anything like this before, and that was a lot of pressure. And so, sure enough, I was sort of sitting there thinking what I was going to say, and um, and but before I'd kind of had a chance to to think much about it, my friend turned to me and said, uh, "Okay, Ollie, do you want to do you want to talk a bit about what you guys are doing?" And in that moment basically it's like it's like every you just kind of focus right everything just converges you have laser focus and i was sitting there giving this uh this talk in spanish it was only a couple of minutes uh in spanish to all these journalists explaining what the music was we were playing why we were here what we were going to play uh and things that they needed to know about this kind of music and it was like just a massive adrenaline rush and i was nervous as hell but uh, um but a couple of days later uh, it actually appeared in the in the local paper and i have this printout somewhere of me giving this press conference in Spanish in the Canarianas in this in this in this Spanish newspaper, and I still you know I have a I feel proud about that every time uh, every time I think about it. Now the sick thing is is one of these things that happens in London a lot, um, and it, it happens in multiple languages. But I'm just going to give you one particular example, and this was uh, not so long ago, probably a couple of years ago. Uh, I remember walking down. The, I was in Tottenham Court Road. I was walking from the British Museum down to down to Tottenham Court Road. Uh, and then so I was listening to some stuff on my headphones and then some girl in the street uh, stopped me and asked me for, for directions. And she said, you know, do, do you know how I get to this place? Now, I couldn't really understand what she was saying. Her English was not that, not that good. But I recognized the accent and she had a Hong Kong accent, a Cantonese accent. Uh, accent. And so I just asked her in Cantonese, are you, um, are you from Hong Kong? And she said, oh, oh wow, yeah. And, um, and so, uh, so I asked her then, yeah to tell me in Cantonese what was it what, what what she was looking for and she told me and I explained to her and I said oh actually you know I'm going this way anyway come come with me together and she was just like totally totally blown away because um you don't you, you as a person from Hong Kong on holiday in London you don't expect someone that looks like me walking down Oxford Street uh, to turn around and to be able to speak to you in Cantonese and we had this fantastic chat and um and then uh, we were just walking for five minutes or so, and then she kind of went off to whatever she was doing, and, and I, I think I was going home. Uh, but it was one of those moments. These things, these ha- this happens fairly regularly in London in different in different languages. But these are the moments when language learning just becomes part of your daily life, and you can speak to people in their own language, and you know that they've left that interaction thinking to themselves, you know what? These local local English people, they're not so bad after all. Some of them even speak my language, and. That is, I find that very, very enriching. And th- these moments, whenever they happen, are very cool. Number seven, the seventh coolest moment that uh, that comes to mind was a number of years ago, 2016, I think, when my, me and my friend Jan went to Thailand and we went on a two-week mission to learn uh, to learn Thai. Now, Jan had already learned a bit of Thai in the past. I'd been to Thailand a number of times, but I'd never learned Thai. I didn't know a single word. Uh, I knew how to say hello. That was about it. Uh, so we went to Thailand. We stayed in Bangkok, and I I, I had a, a seven no a fourteen day project, a two week project, and I, I was learning Thai every single day. And um, my basic goal was to to be able to get by in Thai by the end of those two weeks. Now I recorded all of this, and there's a whole playlist on YouTube uh, showing you what I did every single day. 
Um, and what you'll see right at the end is a half-hour conversation, completely entire, that I recorded with my, with my, with my teacher, who was just fantastic, wonderful teacher. And um, and we managed to do the whole thing in Thai for 25 minutes, and that was an amazing experience because I, I hadn't done a really intensive language learning project like that before, and I really gave it a lot of effort and a lot of energy, and I and, and it was it was really cool to be able to reach a a sort of end point, a climax there, where I could sit down and have a conversation, a really long conversation in Thai after only two weeks of studying. And, you know, I think there are, there's a lot more to say about that because I don't think that such intensive language projects are actually that useful in the long term. But nevertheless, it was a cool feat, circus trick, if you like, to be able to to pull off. And it's one of the things that I think back to as as something that I was uh, I was I was proud of achieving. And then finally, the last thing, number eight, when I think back about to, to everything I've done with languages, uh, it's been great to learn languages, but it's also been fantastic to start my website. I will teach you a language, this YouTube channel, and just to spend my life talking about language learning. It's a huge privilege to be able to do that. And no more so than when my books came out. And that first moment when I remember walking into the biggest bookstore in London, Foils, in central London, walking up to the language section and seeing my books all across the um, all across the shelves stacked high, and then subsequently, pretty much every bookshop I go into to go in there and to find my books there. That is a source of, um, of yes, this is a shameless plug, of course, but it is also a source of, of immense pride to be able to to have spent so much time learning languages, but then to be able to channel that into something useful and. Um, and, and then to have this out in the world where now you know we've sold hundreds of thousands of copies of these books and people all around the world are learning languages with them. That, for me, I think out of everything that I've talked about here is the coolest moment of all and uh, something that I'm very, very proud of. So there we go. Eight things, uh, eight very personal things that um, that have really made language learning uh, such an amazing part of my life. You know, on this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about quite advanced concepts and ideas in language learning. But I also have a series of courses which are for beginners, because actually, more often than not, people come to me and say, look, Ollie, I just want to learn this new language as a complete beginner. I want to learn Spanish or learn Japanese or learn French. You know, what do you have for me? And this is why over the last few years or so, I've been developing out this series of courses, which you know, I, everyone claims their method is the best, right? So all I'm going to say about these courses is that I've created these courses the way that I would like to learn a new language myself if I were starting out from the beginning. So, you know, it's it's my thing. It's my it's what I recommend. That's as much as I can say about them. The special thing about these courses, the unique thing, is that you learn through story. So, you know, I don't go in for any of these kind of technology gimmicks and apps and flashing lights and funny noises and things like that. I teach you through story. So right from day one, I get you reading a story in the language. You're reading, you're listening, right from the beginning, even when you don't understand very much. And then I come in and teach you through these video lessons. I help you uncover the language from the pages of the story, which is why these courses, these courses are called Uncovered Courses. Spanish Uncovered, Japanese Uncovered, Italian Uncovered. It really is a way to learn the language to a very deep level. You won't get the same instant gratification that you get from Duolingo, but what you will get is a solid foundation and thorough education in the language that is going to give you all the groundwork you need to go on to become fluent in the language. If you'd like to find out more about these, simply head over to IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com 
and look for the courses option in the menu bar. That's IWillTeachYouALanguage.com and click on courses in the menu bar. That will show you all the different uh, beginner courses that we have uh, in all the various different languages. Once again, that is IWillTeachYouALanguage.com and click on courses in the menu bar.